comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, what's good? Welcome back to another episode of the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined again tonight, you're probably listening in the morning or whenever you're listening, by our good friend, Jacob, from, you can follow him on Twitter, at Aztec Analytics. Jacob, what's good today? Nothing much, Carl. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Definitely. We got a, a lot of positive response with some of the data that you've been sharing on, on Twitter, and every time I share it, people are always commenting, great insight. And so, Aztec Breakdown, we decided kind of huddled up and decided to bring Jacob into the fold a little bit more frequently. So he and I are going to be doing a weekly show. And today is the first episode of what we're going to deem the eye test. So I've got takes, some hot takes, maybe some not so hot takes or freezing cold takes. And Jacob's data is going to determine whether I'm right or wrong. He's going to give you some stats. He's going to give you some information on his end. And then every now and then, I'm sure the data will prove me uh, unequivocally correct and sometimes very, very wrong. And so that's kind of what we the purpose of this show is. It's going to be a shorter form, not not too long, maybe 15 to 25-minute episodes. But we're going to hit you with some data probably of the last last week's game, future games. But today, today we're going to start off with some three hot takes. Maybe not too hot, uh, but some three takes that, that Jacob's going to give you some info kind of backing up or, or disproving. So let's get into this, Jacob. The first one for me, and this really came about from being at the game, uh, at the UNLV game on Saturday, and that was if DT, Darian Trammell, is rolling and playing well, then that equals success for the Aztecs. Effectively, Trammell's success equals Aztec success. So what are some numbers that you, you know, what, what does the data tell you about? That? Uh, well, well, first off, in terms of the team success, uh, you know, the best, the best metric to, to use, at least surface level wise, is, is net rating. And three of our top five lineups in net rating all have uh, Trammell at either the, the point guard or, or the two guard if Lamar, uh, Lamont is doing, you know, uh, at the point guard. Um, three out of the four highest defensive rating lineups has Darion Trammell. Um, and including the, the, the top two in terms of, in terms of that metric and the, uh, the lineup that has the highest steal percentage is also, uh, Darian Trammell. That's probably, you know, most likely the lineup with uh, Lamont as well, but you know, he brings great, uh, value, um, that maybe some other players don't do as well. You know, when I look back at UNLV, it was a couple of those three point shots, those really hard three point shots that, you know, we, we failed to, to have last year. That was a very important part of you know what we're doing this year, trying to get our three point percentage up. Um, and and yeah, you know, Tramel when when Tramel is clicking, we're ten you know we're tending to play better. The last five games, he's shooting forty four percent from three, and we're yeah you wow. know a great a great streak of five games. Obviously, uh, a- after the St. Mary's loss, um, and his assist percentage is over thirty, which would rank him in anywhere from eighty five to the ninetieth percentile. Uh, out of all point guards. So when he's able to control the ball, be effective with the ball, 
spread the floor out and hit occasional shots that, as we know, DT can make some pretty crazy, you know, crazy shots. Um, our offense and our defense is clicking. Um, and it's, it's much more successful with him on. Definitely. And I think that it's being a, a, a smaller player. This is just a, a complete generalization. Being a smaller player, they have this weird effect on the crowd and the momentum of a game. Because anything that a smaller player does on a basketball court seems like it is the cream of the crop. Extra special. Just because... He's probably the same size as many people in the stands, and they see KJ doing tomahawk dunks, and they can't even fathom being on the floor with somebody that athletic. Yet DT, so when DT's hitting threes, I almost aken that to KJ doing tomahawk dunks in terms of what it does to the crowd. It's It's one of these weird, I can't really explain it, there's no data behind crowd noise, right? So we're never going to be able to approve. Uh, uh, we're never going to be able to prove that. But that's just one of those things that if you watch basketball, those little guys provide that extra spark of energy. And I really believe it's just because the crowd connects with them. They're easier to connect with. And against UNLV, he hit some big shots. And and you're right. Last year, our point guard wasn't making that, no. right? Uh, he he wasn't. And the difference is Tramel can hit shots, and he's doing it. And any time where – I mean, when we got a game like last game where – I don't know if the offense necessarily was clicking at all, but you had two guys who were feeling themselves, DT and, and Matt Bradley. And with, with this level of defense, I think that's kind of all you need to, to carry us. I think if we have two guys that are rolling and – We'll we'll talk about I'm sure in a future episode like plays versus isolation versus you know all that yep. good stuff, but it very much feels like this team's going to continue to do the ISO thing. They've do, been doing it for years and years, and it just seems like unless we have a ball dominant guy who can pass the ball, a la Malachi, a la, just like Malachi Flynn, I don't think we're going to be running anything else. We need our true floor general on the field on the court. Or I just don't think we're going to be doing anything. It, I feel like Dutcher leaves it so much up to his own players and his own staff or his own staff to really make stuff happen on the court. He said that multiple times with his quotes. And so DT is a huge part of our success this season. And I think that uh, that, that data really backs it up. Perfect. So let's, let's roll into our second point of the night. And this is one that uh, both Carly and Austin touched on in the past pod. And we're going to talk about AG. AG had a play in the game that Austin mentioned where we kind of tipped the ball and then tomahawk jam. And we were talking before the podcast how whenever AG dunks, seems to be with authority. And so I, I, I've i got this take that if you're talking about all-time Aztec great role players, AG might be number one. Not, num- not in the top ten, he might be number one. So what are some of the, the metrics or what are some of the things that you look at to kind of Back up well, I, I think first and fo- uh, foremost, you know, he's a stat stuffer. I mean, I think I, I think I tweeted out and I called him Mr. Do Everything. And I mean, that's what he is. Um, he's getting offense rebounds, defense rebounds, assists, steals. He's not turning the ball over. Um, some some pretty fascinating on-floor stats with, with AG is um, we score the most points per 40 minutes when he's on the floor. 
Our offensive rating is highest when he's on the floor. Our effective field goal percentage is highest. Our offensive rebound percentage is highest. And most importantly, our turnover percentage is lowest. He does all the right things. His, his IQ is, is crazy. He's high IQ. He'll do the dirty work. And he'll do the things that might not show up in you know, the stat sheet, um, as mentioned previously. Um, I also tweeted out last night that he leads the Mountain West. And he's top 10 in the NCAA minimum two attempts per game and point in the paint uh, field goal percentage. He's shooting 82% inside the paint. Um, He only has three shot attempts. That's not in the painted area. And I think that perfectly embodies him because he's not trying to be someone he's not. He's not trying to shoot a three or a mid range because he knows he can. He's doing what he knows he's good at. And he's doing that at, you know, an extraordinarily effective rate. Um, one other kind of cool yet obscure stat that I was, you know, digging around with is out of around 3000 qualified players, he's one of only 88 who's averaging an offensive rebound, a defensive rebound an assist and a steal and less than one turnover. So that just shows, whoa, yeah, that just shows you that he, he is doing everything that you could possibly want and need on the basketball court. Yeah, and I think when you when you talk of about role players, you got to look at arc, you know, the arc, the stereotypes, the archetypes of the types of players. You got guys who are three and D. That would be Micah Parrish. You've got guys who are protect the paint, shot blockers that may come in now and then. We haven't really had those. I don't want us to call Nate that because he's definitely not a role player, but that type of player who's going to basically protect the paint, grab rebounds, uh, and start the offense going the other way. You've got knockdown shooters, right? And I think 3 and D, you could also put Adam Seiko in in that category. He really showed it uh, again against UNLV, his 3 and D capabilities. But the archetype that Nate, or that Arope is, is an energy player. He is an energy player. But combine that with efficiency, and you get Arope. You get this high-level, elite role player who can basically play in any lineup. I don't think that there is a combination of people that you could put on the court where I don't think that AG could find a way to fit in. And while I am notorious for slamming Brian Dutcher at every turn, I feel like he has maximized AG to about the... 100th percentile. I don't think he could get any more out of AG than what he has. And that is a huge credit to him because I think if you kind of talk to everyone, uh, anyone associated with Aztec basketball throughout the season, they're going to think, oh my gosh, AG did this play to win us this game or this play to swing that momentum. And a part of that is Brian Dutcher really embracing who he is and not trying to put him in this pigeonhole uh, of a player type. You know, he's playing close to the basket. He is defending a lot of times the four or the five, even if he's the three on the court. He is an excellent defender of somebody who's bigger than he is. He is the, we, last year I was all on small ball, and I think that AG as a small ball defensive five is fantastic. I'd love, love to see more lineups where he's actually playing the five on offense 
and Ladie is playing the four, four on offense because I think it really matches their styles um, a lot better than you know Ag playing the four, Ladie playing the five. Uh, but yeah, those those numbers are are incredible, and I think he's one of the most beloved Aztecs ever. I think he's been around for so long and been on some fantastic teams. Um, and he's going to go out as one of the winningest players of all time. So I'm glad that those data, the data for, especially for this year really backs it up. Now let's roll on to our big point. It's really the thing that we circled around for our first episode. And that is, I have this take that the Aztecs love to run, but are horrible at scoring in transition. So I love, I'm praying that the numbers back that up because I have been preaching this for a while. Give me the data, my friend. So do they love running in transition? Has it been a point of emphasis this year? Yes. You could see right out of the gate, uh, you know, in the exhibition and in Cal State Fullerton, where you could literally hear the coaches screaming, go, 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 run, run, run. So yes, it has been happening pretty frequently. Is it efficient? Not quite, unfortunately. Um, in fact, uh, the second, you know, the, the, the frequency in which the assets are in transition is, is second most um, behind, obviously, a, a set play. It's at 17% of the time. And their points for possession is 0.984. Now, 0.984 for, you know, an entire game is, is, is decent. The problem is that's in the 33rd percentile in the country and how often they're actually scoring points in transition, you know, even though they run it at one of the higher rates, right? Um, In possessions that last zero to 10 seconds, which one could figure is transition, they're in the 46th percentile. Um, Now to flip that, you know, when we think of Aztec basketball, we think of, you know, bring the ball down the floor, set play and take up 20, 25 seconds, right? In that scenario, they're in the 94th percentile. So the effort to run was and maybe is still there. Unfortunately, it's just not very good. And Aztecs are shooting 48% in transition. And you'd like to think in transition, you're getting baskets around the rim, kick out threes, you know, relatively easy shots. Um one one quick point is, um, you know, in all three losses, and including a couple of the games that they struggled, like for example, Troy, the mm-hmm. points per possession and transition was below uh, 0.9. So when they're not getting out in transition and they're doing really bad, they're losing. But that makes me think that they don't have to be an elite transition team. They just have to be an average transition team to win some of those games that they haven't been winning. Um, so that's a fixable fixable area, but it's not exactly what I was looking for when, you know, when I, when I came back from the exhibition game and I really thought, man, these guys are going to run. It's going to be something that they're going to do really well, especially because of depth. It's just not very efficient thus far, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and it's weird because, you know, at the start of the season, I think we all agreed that this team was mega deep, 13, 14 guys. And now Dutcher's playing 10, maybe. 
uh, players. When you have a mega deep team, you want to run because the other teams just aren't going to be able to match your level of physical activity during the game when you're running up and down the court and you're providing the other team with that patented Aztec defense, which again was on display uh, on Saturday, where we're making everything chaotic. It's just not easy to score. And the thing about offense is if if I feel like players can get anxiety on offense and that can suck out some energy from you just by trying to score the ball. And now imagine trying to do the other things, right? And with the Aztecs, now their team, we're only about 10, 10, 11 deep, if that, right? Sometimes we're playing eight, nine guys and we're running up and down the court. That's not as if you're not scoring in the, you said average. So let's say 70th percentile. Mm -hmm. That's a detriment to your team because your energy levels are going to sap just like the rest. And I think one of the biggest stats that you gave me is 48%, did you say, uh, in, in transition scoring? Yeah, field goal percentage, yeah, 48. Yeah. That, to me, is brutal. And I think the case, and, and to give you an additional eye test, we're shooting a lot of jump shots in transition. We're not attacking the basket in transition. And I think a lot of that is DT, who's one of the primary guys you want to have the ball running up the court, one of your guards, he's not great around the rim. He's a small, he's a smaller player. And number two, Micah Parrish as a trail shooter is something that I think we all would love to see improve a little bit because it's a good shot. It is a, a wide open, uncontested three-pointer for one of your better shooters. So with Micah, I think a lot of it's just maybe slowing down a little bit, realizing that he can take that extra breath maybe even a dribble to get set before he fires. He's doing a lot of, I've just finished sprinting and now I'm shooting, which that is the hardest shot to make in basketball is a shot coming off of a sprint to a jump shot. What are some, so for me, I think it's just Micah improving, which I think he will. I think he's already improved this year in terms of his basketball IQ and his defense and his shot selection. So the other things are get the ball to Matt Bradley, who. I don't think Matt Bradley has has been attacking the basket as much uh, lately, and I think a lot of that's a product of the lineups, right? Mensa's at the key. KJ's at the key. If you want him to attack the basket, you need to clear out the paint. So get Matt the ball in transition where those guys maybe aren't up the floor. I think that KJ is arguably the greatest open court dunker the Aztecs have ever had, and I would love to see them try to hammer the ball to him in transition, the problem is I think he actually gets the... This is another thing I've noticed. He's the one getting the rebound and starting the break. So those guys aren't the people that are already up the court. You've got Lamont Butler, Tramel, Matt Bradley, and Parrish. And so those guys aren't necessarily the ones that are going to be attacking the basket at all. What are some things that you think the Aztecs can be doing a little bit differently just to bump that up from 48% to 70 because I'm sure over the course of a game, do you know how many possessions on average they're they're running per game? In transition, it would be about 15 to 16. Okay. Okay, let's do the math here. So right now they're scoring, let's just say, let's just call it one point per possession, yep. right? So that's 15 points a game. If they bump that up 
another 30%, we're going to round up and go 1.5 points a game. That went from 15 points a game to 22, 23 points a game. That's an extra seven points a game, six to seven, five, six, seven, eight points a game, just from being average, just not being shit, friends. Like, if they're just average, we're blowing teams out. We're going from the game's close to it's a 15-point game now, or it's a six-point game to a 13, or a three-point game to a 10-point game. That one ass, and that's something that you don't need plays for, right? You don't. It's just understanding the play and the development. But what are some things that you would like to see us do maybe differently to increase that percentage to get those extra five, six, seven points? Well, I think you kind of touched on it. Uh, It seems like in transition, it's all based off of shot quality, right? And if you're taking good shots and you're missing them, that's different, right? As opposed to taking bad shots and missing them. I think you brought up a good point about you know when Keyshawn's getting the rebound, he's essentially taking himself out of the fast break indirectly. Um, but like you said, guys like Micah Parrish, Adam Seiko, great three-point shooters, you know, them just being persistent, keep running down, you know, the, the corner of the of the of the court, find an open three. You know, it's 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 not like it's things that they're not doing. I just feel like they haven't mm-hmm. just they haven't been very, very good at it yet. Maybe a, a drag screen from Nate, or maybe you know guys attacking the basket, and um, you know you have a teammate or two cut to the basket while you're attacking. Um, so you know it's not like they're not trying; they're trying. They're just not converting mm-hmm. those shots. So I think really in, in this scenario, you just need to get the best shots you can take, and then you can you can live with those results. But when you take higher quality shots, in turn there's a better chance that you're going to make them. And, and like you said, if they're average, say five to eight points, you can't tell me five to eight points won't win you a game in Laramie, won't win you a game in New Mexico, won't win you. It'll win you a game in it'll, March. It'll, it'll win you a game in March. So, you know, we don't need them to go from bad to elite and to go mm-hmm. from bad to average. And that'll mm-hmm. be, you know, three or four baskets. That will be absolutely crucial when it comes down to things. Yeah, and I think it's I mean it's the I think it's probably the easiest way where we could improve our team. Just improve efficiency in the transition. Uh one thing I'd like to add. Lamont Butler has a patented shot now, and I hope people are realizing it. It is a dribble pull up at the free throw line jumper. Friends, that is an excellent transition shot if you can't get a layup, because any professional basketball development will tell you, jump stop at the free throw line, let your wings fill the lane, shoot the jumper, the uncontested free throw, or hand it off to a dunker. Lamont, I know you want to take people's heads off. I think that could be a very easy, easy way for him to up his transition play. And I think DT as well, because I think DT gets into this habit of, of attacking the basket and looking for a foul. And Mountain West, Mountain West referees, you, you know, it's, it's a crapshoot. So... <laughs> Um, and he's just the littlest guy, right? It, it's tough for those dudes to be excellent finishers around the rim. Uh, so I think those two players, maybe stopping at the free throw line, letting the wings fill, right? Well, that could be a huge and easy fix. Look at us solving the Aztecs at, uh, offensive problems. All right, man. Well, well, that wraps up our three topics for tonight. We're in in about 23 minutes, which is awesome. Thank you so much, Jacob. Uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. 
And we will be back next week with a uh, another edition of the Eye Test. So remember, follow us on Twitter. Follow me at Call Me Kinslow. Follow Jacob at Aztec Analytics. And you can follow Trone and the show at Aztec Breakdown. Anything you want to add, Jacob, before we bounce out Nothing here? Nothing other than go Aztecs. Go Aztecs. Have a good weekend, everybody.